Hello guys, good morning. How are you guys? How are you? Now, this is good. <laughs> I'm going to start this sermon with a statement that can be very difficult for you to hear. I'm so sorry. You may be very surprised. Are you well? Yeah. Are you ready, guys? Yeah. Hold hands if you need to. <laughs> Here you go. Jesus is Brazilian. <laughs> it is true. I'm so sorry. Maybe this is a new information for you. But it is true and I have proof. Jesus is there. And my mom, she called me yesterday and said, yes, Fernando, Jesus is still here. <laughs> so Jesus is Brazilian. This is my city, Rio de Janeiro, in Brazil. Of course, I'm joking. Jesus is not Brazilian. Jesus is Australian. <laughs> he walks on the water every day at Kulangara, Snap Rocks. And at least this was what Scott Wrigley told me last week. <laughs> Fernando, I surf my board and Jesus walked in his feet. You said to me. <laughs> I'm feeling really, really well to be here. I have been loved by this community. I feel immensely honored to share the gospel of Jesus with you all. And today we are continuing on the series of messages on the book of Ephesians. And I'd like to invite you to read with me Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 11 to the 22nd. So, Paul writes... Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at a time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments containing in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him, we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together 
grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Amen. 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 In this biblical passage of Ephesians 2, so rich in details and so intense in its affirmations, the Apostle Paul is working theologically and pastorally on the conflicting relationship between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. And this conflict was very present in what we call the early church. The faith community of Ephesus was formed mainly by Gentile Christians. And the difficulty of this group to be church with the Jewish Christians was very great. Why? In a more practical sense, the Jews who converted to Jesus tended to impose their former religious traditions to the new Christian faith community. And this generated a great deal of tension and conflict, especially regarding, as we read, circumcisions and laws. But in a more existential sense, converted Jews still consider themselves to be special, a chosen people. On the other hand, the Gentile Christians had difficulty of accepting Jews and their culture as well. The Gentiles also tried to bring aspects of their religiosity and culture on Christianity. The result of this hard situation was enmity and hostility from both sides. We can feel the tension in Paul's text that reveals an Ephesian environment of segregation, prejudice, racism, separation, and disunit. And the agents of this state of war were both Jews and Gentiles. It is important to note that this state of war probably was often expressed indirectly, in silence of indifference, in eyes and looks of reprobation and rejection, in physical separation and distance, in geographic segregation, in silent condemnations, in religious and social structure that made it very clear. There were first and second class Christians. And the Apostle Paul, taking with prophetic authority, who writes a true theological treatise that makes it very clear. If we are true followers of Jesus Christ, none of this can take place between us. Whether Jews, Gentiles, you all are one in Jesus Christ. This is a very radical affirmation. Both Jews and Gentiles were called by Jesus to live in a new way, transformed by the love of God. My dear brothers and sisters, I would like to dive into the text with you to find three ways that we Christians, as well as the Ephesians, have been called to live in the world. First, as Christians, we are called to be bridges of reconciliation. 
the text says, verse 14, Jesus has broken down the middle wall of separation, have abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments containing ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. This is so beautiful. The wall mentioned here probably is referencing to the wall that used to separate Jews from Gentiles in the temple in Jerusalem. There was a wall in the temple that separated the court of the Gentiles from the other sections of the temple, reserved for Jews only. And Paul is saying that Jesus broke down the wall. Jesus destroyed the wall. Jesus dissolved the middle wall of separation. There is no more separation after Jesus. In the same direction, you and I are being called to be bridges of reconciliation like Jesus. The call for reconciliation is to build bridges of love and welcome where there were chasms of segregation. The church of Jesus is a place, an experience, a community where every human being needs to feel loved, embraced, welcomed by the grace of God. Of course, we do not have physical walls here in the middle of the church. We don't have a wall that separates us. But we live in a culture where many invisible walls of separation, enmity, and hostility are in place. And this culture is a, is a result of who I am. I must confess. The human heart is a factory of prejudice and segregation. There were walls in the temple because there were walls in the hearts. But we got to be honest. We are like the Ephesians. We also have walls in our hearts. We also have a profound difficulty in accepting those who are different from us. We have an emotional laziness to respect our neighbor's culture. We also reject and judge those we don't understand. We also distance ourselves from those with whom we do not identify with. We are also not comfortable with diversity. Let's be honest. Yes, our heart is a factory of prejudice and segregation. But with Paul, with Jesus, we learn what is not confessed cannot be healed. We must confess. Without repentance, there is no gospel. We need the courage to name our sins, to name and be honest, so that we can be forgiven, healed, and changed. The most important revolution the world needs begins with repentance. To be bridges of reconciliation, it is a call 
to love more and to love better. As followers of Jesus Christ, as His church, we are called to have a more mature and deeper love. And this means to be more like Jesus. The verses 15 and 16 says that Jesus, having abolished in His flesh the enmity, and that He might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross. Jesus faced the ultimate consequences of love. His love was extended, stretched, and tested to the cross. Jesus not only talked about love, Jesus also embodied love to the end. He paid the price of loving with his own body. It's funny because we live in a culture where we have many opinions about everything. We defend many ideas and truths and ideology, and we are quite good. But much of what we speak and defend is not real, true in our hearts. We do not know them in our flesh like Jesus. Because we hardly face the ultimate consequences of our truths. If you do not have the courage to bear the consequences of the truths we speak about, then it is because we do not believe in them. I suspect that we become very opinionated people when we lack in truth. This is why the integrity of our truth lies on its consequences and visible fruits. Take a look what John said about love. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. To love more and to love better has a price. A big price. It means to love until we face the consequences. Love involves paying a price, the price of real commitment to others, to break down the walls of separation. Knowing God always, I'll repeat, knowing God always, always, results in visible actions of love. We can be Christians. We can talk about the Bible. We can have opinions. We can be politically engaged. But if we do not have real actions of love, we have no idea what we are talking about. That's why a guy called Jesus wrote this statement. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. To become bridges of reconciliation, it is a call to place a communion table where, until then, 
There were walls of separation. You and me are called to be communion table for this broken world. That's why, second point, as Christians, we are also called to be peacemakers. Take a look in the passage. Jesus says here, does making peace. Four, four times Paul used the word peace only in around like 11 verses. Four times Paul talks about peace. Peace is central in this passage. Peace is central for Paul not theologically but also socially. Peace is central theologically as Paul makes it very clear that Jesus made peace, made peace for our salvation. Paul said to the Gentile Christians, you were without Christ. Be aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Paul is saying to the Gentile Christians, you guys were not part of the people of God, but now you are. You are the people of God. Jesus paid the price on the cross. Jesus made peace for you. You are offered the peace of salvation in Jesus. Jesus is your peace. But also, peace here is about social life, relationships. Jesus broke down the walls of separation and enmity. Bring peace between Jews and Gentiles. Peace to their relationships. Maybe a better translation here. For verse 15 would be, instead of thus making peace, could be thereby continually making peace. Jesus achieved peace on the cross, but its effects continue to work throughout history. Peace, in this sense, is an ongoing process. Jesus is still bringing peace to, peace to us. Jesus continues to bring peace between humanity and God. And he continues to propose to the world a kingdom of peace and harmony. This is why you and I are being called peacemakers. Being peacemakers means presenting and representing the presence of God in the world. In this world, make marked by hostility, enmity, aggressiveness, individualism, and separation. People are deeply hurt. Can you see that? Just walk around the city. It's so easy to notice. People are deeply hurt, lonely, emotionally broken, spiritually lost. But you and I, we have been called to be ministers of peace. For reconciliation between God and people, and between people with people, and between people with creation. We are the church of the God that promotes peace. You and I 
are called to present the God, the only one who is capable of bringing peace to the hearts and to the streets of the city. We are peacemakers for hearts and peoples. We are ambassadors for the peace that heals the soul and joins hands. We must bring harmony to the world. If you are saved by Jesus, we must promote peace whenever we go. Look at Isaiah. He says that he says in chapter 52, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation. How beautiful you are. How beautiful is your life. When you walk around promoting peace, announcing salvation in Jesus Christ, loving truly people around you. Peace is a natural fruit of our salvation. It's not just a theoretical concept. It's a practical life. It's for real. We are peacemakers. To be true peacemakers, we need to see others as worthy of love, respect, and dignity. The followers of Jesus treat each human being as creatures of God, without distinction. But one of the biggest challenges for us as people, as true peacemakers, is our sense of superiority. We feel better than others. We consider ourselves superior than others, especially than the strangers, neighbors. We tend to think that somehow we are special. We deserve more the love of God, but we need to accept and understand that we are not special. You are not special. This is good news. <laughs> you can go home and say, oh, I learned a really beautiful thing today. What? I'm not special. <laughs> what a relief. <laughs> at most, at most, we are just as special as any other human being who ever existed or exists in earth. Amen. That's so beautiful. That's the cost of Jesus. Your surname is no more special than those people without documents. What a blessing. What a blessing. You are not special. Look what Paul says in Philippians. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Ah. Rather, in humility, value others. What? Above yourself. Value others above yourself. Not look to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. With Jesus, we learn. While sin levels us all down to the lowest level, we are sinners 
Grace levels us up to the highest level. We are loved by God. We are as miserable as any other sinner. Just as well, we are so immensely loved by God. And this is such a good news. We are the same. I came from Rio de Janeiro. It's pretty much here on earth. <laughs> and the more I live with you guys, I discover we are the same. I, have, I commit the same sins that you commit. I'm not special. I'm not special. And this is beautiful. This is called salvation in Jesus Christ. He makes us special. All we go. That's why, third and last point, as Christians, we are also called to be one family. Paul says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for the dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Paul is demanding something extremely radical and revolutionary here. For Gentiles and Jews to become one family. He is nuts. <laughs> he is unbelievable. He is a genius. This is a task that can only take place by the presence of the Holy Spirit. There is no way they could to pretend to live as a family from the outside. It has to be true. And Paul is convinced that the transforming power of Jesus Christ, Jesus, Jesus Christ is enough to make them one family. You and I, we have been called not only to be bridges of reconciliation and peacemakers, but also to become one family in Jesus Christ. New life, Kulangara. Do you believe in that? This is what happens when we follow Jesus. We found a new family. We are family. If it was a huge challenge for Jews and Gentiles to become one family, it is also for us today. We need to overcome the walls that separate us. Confess and transform our prejudices and racism. Love until the last consequences. Promote peace whenever is enmity. It's not easy. I know it's not easy by myself as well. To welcome to my table a stranger. It's not easy to open the doors of my heart, my house, and say to the stranger, please be seated. There is bread, there is wine. I love you in Jesus. It's not easy. But those who call God as Father cannot choose their brothers and sisters. If God is our Father, we are present, gifted with brothers and sisters. We cannot choose them. 
they are blessing gifts for us the invitation to be part of the family of Jesus is radical and challenging who has God as father receives a new humanity a new capacity to welcome the different as brothers and sisters and only the power of the Holy Spirit can promote this level of communion between us but be prepared because the kingdom of God is a place of improbable encounters unlikely encounters Jews and Gentiles sat at the same table Jesus and a lot of sinners as you know shared the same bread you and I met here at New Life Pulangara come on I came from Brazil it's really far but the Holy Spirit makes really close it's so improbable for myself to be preaching here this morning I never thought in my life one day I would be living in Australia and now I'm here preaching the gospel for you guys we were strangers a few months ago now I feel your family I love you and I hope you love me as well <laughs> ah the kingdom of God is a kingdom of improbable encounters. The more we know God, the more we become open to these, to these unlikely and improbable encounters. More like Jesus. We are the temple of God. And the temple that we are, there is no space for walls anymore. Because Jesus is our reconciliation, peace and Lord. The last passage, Isaiah. Isaiah is good, yeah? He's sharp. <laughs> Look at that. Isaiah chapter 6. Look how beautiful, how poetic. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. How can I pronounce that? The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together and the little child, Jesus, shall lead them. Isaiah is having a vision of the future, of the Messiah and the kingdom to come. And this kingdom, kingdom of peace, kingdom of communion, kingdom of unity is among us. It is near. It is here. We got to leave it. The kingdom of God is a place of improbable and unlikely encounters that happens every single day. What a blessing. Can you please stand up? We have been called to be bridges of reconciliation, to confess our prejudice and in love love more and to love better we also have been called to be peacemakers to announce the peace for the hearts and for the city to confess that we are not special but God loves us all equally we have been called to be one family to call the strange as friend because we call God as father we do not choose our brothers and sisters we are open to have improbable and unlikely encounters. And now, guys, we are going to sing together in one heart, one language of love, good grace. 
And the song says that people come together, strange as neighbors. One blood, no, our blood is one. Let the praise go up and the walls come down. New life, Kulangara, let's praise and let the walls come down. If you want to kneel before God, feel free. If you want to pray aloud, feel free. If you want to hug someone and pray with them, feel free. If you want to show your love and affection to someone, feel free. Because where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. Praise be the Lord. Amém.